Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, good day, wherever you are. I hope you're having a good one. Episode 2 of Sitting In is about to kick off with Mr. Jack Handyside. Jack is a really incredible guitar player and teacher from uh, just outside of London. And uh, yeah, this was a really interesting, insightful conversation for me. So I hope you enjoy it. How's it going, man? It's going good, man. How are you? Good. Yeah, it's exciting to have you here on the podcast. I'm not sure what number you're going to be. Like, I've definitely got number one recorded, so sorry about that. That's okay. But, um, number two? You could be a number two. But then again, maybe we'll be number three. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I'll be up. It's up to you. Yeah, sweet, man. All right, so tell me, what's happening with you? What are you working on? Where's Where's your music at? What's been happening in Jack's world? Ah, in Jack's world, because uh, it's been an interesting time. Uh, it seems to be the case. Like, I always wonder if it's a personal experience for me or if it's being echoed for a lot of people. But a lot of people, when they kind of graduate, they go into that place of not really knowing where their music career is going to go. So for me, the kind of past, I suppose, 18 months really has been just trying out a lot of things. And, and the thing that I find most success with at the moment has been teaching. Um, more than anything else, it's 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 been uh, producing lots of different uh, either pieces of content or or things that have kind of drawn people in for uh, a lot of online lessons or lessons in person as well. So it's been it's been uh, experience teaching in a way that I'm kind of I'm just teaching all, all kinds of people from all ages, young professionals, some semi professionals. Uh, um, that seems to be the kind of thing that's uh, it's been going on most. I mean, there's been a couple function gigs here and there and that sort of thing, but. It seems to be that teaching is really the, the way forward for me at the moment. I'm just kind of writing that out and, and just trying to take as much experience from it as possible. But, uh, yeah, man, yeah, sweet. That's, and so, that's what's going on. Yeah, when, first of all, how's the connection for you? Is that all right? Connection is fine, yeah. All right, sweet. So when you're in uh, uni, did you think that's the way it was going to go? Not really. I mean, I think I think it's hard as, as a freelancer and an artist because, I mean, I make no kind of qualms about it that is essentially what you'll be doing as an artist you know whether you're uh, I don't know maybe you're a dance instructor or you're a musician or you're uh, a painter a fine art or that kind of thing you're going to have to do freelance at some point or maybe your business is built on that model so you kind of have to take whatever work is coming your way which is a great thing and it's also a scary thing at the same time yeah. so um, and this is why I mentioned like my experience is, is echoed with a lot of my, uh, I suppose, contemporaries, as it were, or uh, people who are kind of in the same position as me. Is that it seems to be that a lot of people are just kind of just seeing where the, where the the journey of of post graduation takes them. So sometimes yeah. that's teaching or performing or writing. So yeah, it's a, it's it's an interesting time. But I think I completely avoided your question there as well. No, 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 you got it, man. That was sweet. It's like you told <laughs> me what you've been up to, and you, okay, you've been, you've been teaching a lot, but. Yeah, there's so much other things that you do, is because uh, we had a great chat last time, and I was just like, oh wow, you do that as well, and this and this. So why don't you just tell? Because not everybody has these chats with you and I every week. So <laughs> why don't you just tell the the listeners if anybody's gonna gonna listen? Hopefully, um, like what else do you do? Because you don't just teach. You told me about very interesting session work you've been doing, and yep. I'm not sure how much you're allowed to talk about that, but just 
why don't you introduce yourself and be like, all right, this is how I got into music. This is where mm -hmm. I went. This is what I'm doing now. Just sure, go for okay. it. Okay, that's great. Um, I'll, I'll sip my coffee. Sure. Okay. Well, you you give me the uh, the eyes the mm. to to say uh, <laughs> not those eyes, the eyes to say, <laughs> hey, you're uh, you're telling your entire life story. So you're right. Okay. So so for me getting into music, it's um it's quite funny because I I didn't really go through a lot of the process that everyone kind of else around me seemed to have gone uh, through. They either went off to conservatoires or that sort of thing. So for me, music uh, started in the classical realm when I was I was very young, and I'd, I'd started playing um, a lot of kind of classical guitar music. Obviously, your you know your your guitar is, is rested on your your left knee and well mm. your right knee if you're a left-handed player. But besides the point, and and that was the style of of guitar that I was learning at the time. And I was very young, and it wasn't really something that I was completely uh, enthusiastic about for a long time until I was maybe twelve or thirteen, really, and I started discovering my own music um just you know being able to take uh just well i think i suppose it was anything it was just basic stuff like jason moraz stuff and mm. um, i suppose some of the early john mayer stuff as well and just trying to figure out how can i take those from the recordings and and, and play them for myself or, or or transcribe them i suppose it was early transcription for me nice. um, and i suppose like the more that you go down that path the more that you start to discover what it is that's that's intriguing about music for you or or makes you want to further study it or, or, or dig into it. So for me, it was, uh, I suppose, understanding it really. It was, it was kind of from an academic part. So I kind of stuck with the classical thing and I, and I still have. And it's funny because it's kind of made a bit of a resurgence for me and it's become a really, a really big part of my, my playing now. But uh, I've kind of gone through all the different genres and settled upon um, jazz being the main thing, I suppose. So I must have been mm -hmm. about, I must have been about 15 or 16. I mean, there's always jazz in the house, which yeah. is great you know mum and dad and grandparents um always playing that stuff so i was i was hearing coltrane and keith jarrett and, and those guys uh, sonny stitt and cannibal adderley from a really young age not understanding it necessarily but it was it was obviously there in my um my subconscious um yeah. so that when i came about to finally wanting to learn that stuff it was there and it was it was i was intrigued by it and so it was a uh, it's quite a nostalgic music i suppose for me um but yeah, I was about 15 or 16 and I started really kind of digging into it properly and and uh, getting some jazz tutors and that sort of thing and just going out to sessions to hear guys play and picking up a lesson here and there from whoever I thought was, you know, at the time just killing on the scene. Mm. Um, so I did that and I eventually went off to university where uh, it was a mixed time because there wasn't really a a sturdy jazz course for me. So right. a lot of it was kind of trailblazing on what I wanted to do in the course. And the course was very much like, well, whatever you want to do, we'll facilitate. And there were a few other guys at the time who were feeling the same. So um, London was a great place for me to kind of go off and really dig my heels into into jazz properly and and, and, and get into all the, all the parts of it and all the proper learning. So I was taking lessons with a lot of cons conservatoire tutors and that sort of thing. And, and, that, and that was good for me. And it's kind of led me to where I am today, which is able to balance playing um i suppose it's like function stuff or jazz functions or that sort of thing uh my own music as well with with teaching and being able to kind of push that forward and i think the nice thing is is like once that world is opened up to you they all seem to open up to you which is yeah. which is fantastic so once you're once you're kind of in the jazz realm the classical realm kind of opens up to you in a different light or the well, whatever whatever you want to call it the the, the fusion which yeah. is a funny term the fusion realm opens up or or I suppose hip hop is now now the other thing that's really making a resurgence in terms of like um, amalgamating jazz and, and those kind of concepts. But 
for me, what I'm seeing now is that all those skills rolled into the musician, yeah, the musician that I am today means that I'm quite open to doing session work, um, musical stuff. Um, I suppose, yeah, my teaching has opened up to that as well. Uh, course creation. Um, yeah, so it's, 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 it's very interesting. So my kind of homestead right now is teaching, but as you, uh, as you've kind of pointed out, we'd been, we've been talking about session work, which is something in the past, I suppose, I'd probably call it about a year and a half. Really. It's been, um, it's, it's been another kind of part of my attention. It's been interesting to kind of hone skills and to go back on things and really refine sounds. So, um, it's quite nice that the office changes all the time. And I suppose that's part of the reason that people want to do freelance as well is, you know, an office that changes is, is, is interesting and your Absolutely. colleagues change as well. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's for everyone, but for me at the moment, it's, uh, it seems to be stimulating and, and interesting enough that I want to kind of pursue it and continue and see where it's going. So, yeah. Yeah, as much as I can really talk about what's going on, um, I'm not necessarily under contract or anything like that, but um, <laughs> I suppose there is like a, a respect to what the artist wants to be seen. But I seem to be kind of traveling uh, down to London for the time being, working with um, some labels here and there, uh, some some artists in kind of like writing or producing, I suppose it is really, um, space of the studio, which has been great, just meeting engineers, producers, all those kind of people. And then I obviously have the teaching world. So Seeing the two um, is great because I can I can pull experiences that I have either on the stage or in the studio and, and facilitate uh, the kind of learning or information that that those um, who want to go into that sort of realm like I did when I was young uh, want to. And I, I've kind of got that skill to, to be able to teach it at least or, or to push people in the direction that, that I was kind of wondering about. So I suppose that's that's how I kind of sum it up. Yeah. But yourself, great, that, that, I know, that, I know that you Sorry? I know. Sorry, go on. You were saying. <laughs> oh, I was saying that cough was not a sign to stop. I just wanted to clear my throat. <laughs> it's okay. I was looking in the eyes anyway, and it, they didn't yeah. indicate anything. So, <laughs> can I? I've actually just got a couple of things I want to ask about that. Sure. Because yeah. I think you're totally, at least in my, uh, from my perspective, you're totally right in saying that it's not the normal way people potentially got into music. Um, and I think what I found so interesting, and I find so interesting when I hear you play, is that I can tell that jazz has been a the largest part of like your playing at least that's what i hear um in a very mature way i don't mean that like you know you're jazzy it's like no you understand the music um and i guess the one question i just want to ask is what drew you to jazz at such a young age because i mean i think that's quite young to get into jazz at least from my perspective because i remember like my dad was a jazz drummer and he was like super into jazz he actually played uh one of his first bands were with my guitar tutor at uni oh, brilliant. Uh, when they were wow. kids so it's like kind of full circle thing it's interesting but yeah I remember him being like oh listen to this and it was <laughs> like it, it could have been Joe Pass or something like that I don't know and I was like with all due respect dad like <laughs> it sounds like crap to me <laughs> but that that was when I was like uh I don't know I was into like Joe Satriani and just like shredding kind of well trying to shred um and I just didn't understand that kind of music it wasn't open to me yet uh or my ears weren't open to it yet should I say but yeah obviously it came around and kind of got into it eventually but tell me essentially why jazz what drew you in at like 13 mm. or whatever age it was 15 I suppose yeah like that, that kind of age from about 14 15 16 I think is really important not just for you as a musician but I suppose you as a young adult as well and how you're developing you know of course that um that second decade of life your your brain is developing and it's developing in amazing ways but 
I think what was really interesting was seeing the evolution of how I wanted to understand something. So it's quite funny. I, I get I get picked on this quite a lot um, by by friends and I suppose colleagues. Really, is um, I don't like to understand a piece of information or or, or um, a subject uh, in a what's the word in a superficial way. I I, I really like digging deep into it and, and finding all the the uh, the bits of or facets of information, trying to put them together, take it apart, and I suppose that's really a familial trait for me and my family. But um, have you ever been into like building things? Like actually oh, yeah. taking things yeah. apart. Absolutely, uh, yeah. Yeah, that was, I suppose all that kind of starts with like, uh, you know, like showing creativity at a really young age, either drawing or like building plans to things or, or that sort of yeah. thing. So construction and like, I suppose engineering really um, has been, a, I suppose, a big part of my my, my family and and, and uh, their lifestyle and their, and their, um, their jobs as well. So perhaps, you know, it's the nature versus nurture argument, how much of that is just ingrained and instilled in me and how much yeah. it's, it's kind of taught but for me getting into jazz then why why am i kind of mentioning that is i'm i'm quite strange i suppose in in the aspect of i don't i don't like feeling comfortable anywhere i don't feel, right. i don't like feeling comfortable in terms of my knowledge because i'm kind of always of the belief that you need to strive to understand more or, or dig deeper or, or you know that th- there's new ground to break um once you're kind of able to understand the information that you have and you're, you're able to develop it and, and, and build something else from it. So for me, I was quite satisfied, you know, learning a lot of kind of blues stuff or, or, or um, I suppose like early gospel stuff as well, um, which I've got a bit of experience in and kind of thinking, yeah, this is great. And it's really nice to hear all this stuff, but I want to take it further. So right, each time right. was, how do I take it further? And the interesting thing is like, you know, now at, at 23, I'm, I've still got that mindset that I had when I was 13, which was, okay, take it, play it, master it then break it down, then understand it, and then how do I make it mine? Mm, Which, cool. again, like I, I get picked on it because I'll, I'll, I'll stay on one subject and it'll be like, can we move on? Can we, can we do something <laughs> else in this session? Is there, is there anything else right, we can do? Right, and I'll be right, like, right. yeah, but let's take this apart. So, you yeah, know, yeah. Hearing, hearing all that music coming through my house when I, when I was younger was, was so, oh, I suppose it was so fundamental at the time. But I didn't know that. I kind of had yeah. that rebellious streak of, like you were saying, oh, I don't want to listen to this. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. It's all noise and it's all, <laughs> it sounds like no one knows what they're doing. And the fact of the matter is, is I didn't know what I was kind of doing listening to her. I didn't, I didn't understand right. what was going on. So when I got to a point that actually my musicianship and my interests had reached uh, a peak of, okay, I need to move on to the next step. I, I need to move on to kind of playing, you know, one scale to how is it th- these guys are playing, you know, lots of different scales and how does it sound so melodic and then you know and then you start hearing um you start hearing melodies in, in tunes and then it starts to intrigue you and you go back into those worlds um and that's why i think as well it's really interesting to know the the history of jazz as well it's, it's great to be a great player of it but if you don't know the history of it then how can you move on uh, comfortably um as a composer as a player by kind of disregarding all of what came before because what came before is essentially a big building block everyone kind of stands on the shoulders of giants in the same way that to really um i suppose in air quotes you won't be able to see it if it's if it's audio <laughs> but in air quotes is um oh that's completely slipped my mind but essentially what i was going to say is like you you have to have the fundamentals before you you build on it it's all a progression in a way so um for me it was all about progression and it was about kind of learning things and hearing things and, and trying to understand them so from a very academic sense yeah um i can see like 
That's me being analytical about it, though. I suppose from another sense, though, is like actually there is an emotional attachment to that music. There's mm-hmm. an emotional attachment to hearing something that you don't understand, right? which I think is huge. Hearing something that you don't understand can be the difference between, I don't know, you... Um, you, you, you know, you, maybe you're maybe you're in a, a pub or a restaurant or, or that sort of thing or a cafe um, and you hear something that's going on on the speakers above mm-hmm. and you shazam it. you decide to shazam it and you think that's amazing shazam. I, yeah I, I you know i've been doing that recently and it's it's been it's been great for just hearing music on the go and discovering things but cool that whole process of okay i just i just heard something that i've never heard before i do not mm-hmm. understand that and being able to capture that and take it apart that i think is is a is a really great skill to have, but it's a hard one because as a teacher, it's mm-hmm. difficult to teach it. Yeah. So it's, I think, it's, yeah. Yeah, no, that's it's so interesting to hear, man. I think like a lot, we speak about this frequently. It's like, it's definitely very cerebral. Mm-hmm. And it's like, really? you, you have a natural curiosity towards the, you know, like, why is this the way it is? And like, it's, it's really interesting. I think it shows in the other things that you're interested in life, or like philosophy, <laughs> like economics, politics, like you're, you're, you seem like you're quite into all that kind of stuff. Oh, definitely. And um, it's like, it's just interesting to hear, man, because I've come from a kind of completely opposite side, mm-hmm. where it's, um, I didn't know anything about music theory until I say anything again, air quotes. But um, I didn't. I didn't know much in, about music theory until I actually went to uni and like had to learn it. Um, and that's what unlocked it for me. And that's how I began to enjoy, for example, jazz. It's like mm-hmm. I see it quite like um, kind of like uh, Leibniz's idea on any ideas. Basically, it's like it's as a block of marble, and you chip away at it. Mm-hmm. And like I think. I can imagine it's like when we're born or like the average like pop listener to the radio. It's like it's just a block of marble with like a few dents in it, maybe. And I think the more you start investigating music as a consumer or as a artist yourself, you're just chipping away at like different sides of the sculpt, uh, the sculpt, sculptor, the sculpt, whatever. Sculpture. Um, <laughs> sculpture. There we go. And um, yeah, it's like you, you learn a little bit about, like, say, a certain a certain sound. And it's like, ah, cool. And then that unlocks something else and something else. And now I'm at the point where I'm listening to stuff that once I could not possibly make any sense of. I remember mm-hmm. the first time I listened to Jonathan Kreisberg. I didn't even know when the melody started. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, what's happening? It sounds mm-hmm. kind of cool, but I, I just don't get it. Um, but now in a much different place. Um, there was a couple of things I wanted to pick up on that, but... I, Oh, yeah. So given that your approach is very, like uh, you said, academic, it's very, like, thorough, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Um, how much of that do you find fits into or feeds into your approach to composition? You know, like a lot of people talk about their approach to composition being like, it's just a vibe I'm trying to pick up on or like maybe they see colors, shapes, whatever mm-hmm. it is. And I know you've written some pieces inspired by many different things, whether that be like uh, Picasso or mm. other bits and bobs, bits and bobs. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, like how how much of that approach feeds into your composition and or improvisation? Yeah, that, that is a fantastic question. And like, I think a lot of what you said is um, is relevant as well to the answer that I'm going to give you. And I suppose like for me looking at it, my nature is it's very analytical it's very um, cerebral, I suppose, to some degree. And it's all about kind of interpreting music and, and 
I suppose it's at the end of the day, it's academic. It's like we're talking about the thing with composition though, and the thing with improvisation is, and I, you know, I'm going to use a lot of flurry language that maybe some people, perhaps yourself as well, either disagree with, or um, they may see a different way is, is actually that like when you're going down that route of discovering composition, you're discovering a part of yourself and what you really want to put onto a piece of paper or, or what you want to kind of put into the world or on the bandstand. And those things are very personal. They're very personal representations of what you think of the world, what you think of music, what it means to you, what you're drawing upon and what you're trying to, I suppose, um, exhibit. So I have a massively tough time trying to compose music, although it, it seems like it seems like it's quite easy or natural um, because I suppose that's that's the the detriment or to the detriment of social media is like it makes everyone look like everything is easy and you know yeah. it's just second nature to them but I think the fact of the matter is is like it's like you say it's like sculpting um Michelangelo's David or something it's, it's taking a big block of marble or whatever that material was um <laughs> and just trying to chip it away and trying to create it was something. cardboard <laughs> <laughs> well at least it wasn't lego so um yeah but it it's a it's a very personal experience. It's like how do you how do you come up with a composition that is representative of your time on the earth or your your time um, at the moment or your 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 time in your life, I suppose, as well, or, or things that are kind of influencing you. What can you create or compose that is going to stand the test of time for you, or is going to be? Um, I kind of think of it as like a, an emotional uh, marker in a way, or like a milestone in your life. So for me, being quite academically inclined is difficult because composition doesn't, for me at least, it doesn't really, um, it doesn't really roll off, uh, what's the word? It doesn't kind of roll off my creative juices or it doesn't kind of like kickstart them or invigorate any ideas by thinking about things um, academically. So I know there's, you know, these great kind of compositions as well from Coltrane that are very much... um, mathematical in, in nature i suppose or and there there's a there's a lot of theory out there to, to create them and a lot of people listen to them and have a real emotional connection to them and that's that's brilliant and coltrane is, is obviously the king of, of that kind of that kind of world as well same with with guys like messian as well but to really connect with a piece of music i have to kind of take all that information and put it in a box and just kind of forget about it so i have to be able to connect with a simple melody or a, a chord structure or, or trying to envision what it is I'm trying to bring out with imagery in my music. So composing is a hard one for me because I have to go into realms of looking at myself and my own skill set and saying, okay, if I'm going to compose something, is it for one of two things? Is it here to challenge me or is it here to exhibit me? Mm. Those are the ways that I kind of think about it. And unfortunately, like it's um, it's an ever, an ever grow, an ever ongoing battle between what is the point of the music that you're making? Yeah. So it, I suppose it, it's, it can be the same for anyone. It could be the same with, for writers creating a book or a story, or it can be the same as um, artists trying to create something. It's like, am I creating something for everyone else, which is fine as well, if that's the way you want to go. Am I creating something for myself or am I creating something um, that I suppose is, is neither of those things? Mm-hmm. So it's a, uh, it's a tough point. It's it's a tough thing to say. Here's my process of composing. Here's my process of coming to an idea. Yeah, that's no, that's all incredibly fascinating. And I think the the part you said at the end there, like 
kind of just asking yourself, why am I composing or why am I doing this uh, dance routine? You know, yeah. like what what is the point? I guess is uh, the question. And hmm, I think like I've come around to that a few times and formed it in different ways. Mm-hmm. But it's just an interesting thing to think about because I'm in that position right now as hopefully people know like getting this album together yeah um and it's like I see this purely kind of just purely as a snapshot of what I sound like at 23 Mm -hmm. in 2019 right and it's supposed to be very honest right but what you said is like you either want to write a piece of music that exhibits you or challenges you is that what you said Mm -hmm. yep yep and it's like I have never approached a composition in the way of like thinking I want to challenge myself, but that's mm. such a, it's just, it's, it's so telling of your personality <laughs> and the way you approach stuff. It's like, you want to get better. You're like, no, no, it's cool, man. Like I read a book, uh, it's called Coltrane and obviously it's about John Coltrane's life and it just speaks about him and is like, as most like jazz musicians and I think, like, musicians who are, like, yeah, let's just say jazz musicians. Um, We have this curiosity to, like, stretch further and further Mm -hmm. and try and reach for, like, the next thing, whether that's, like, kind of personally or something that's already happened that you don't understand yet. Um, And I've never used that approach in my composition. Maybe that's because I feel like I'm a very... uh, my compositional kind of age is very young right now and I mean that because it's like this is the first thing I've like tried Mm -hmm. to do with this album and that's what I actually like about it that it's it's just it's very honest um I mean hopefully it comes across that way when people get to hear it but um I think that's maybe something just to take away is like Mm -hmm. maybe I should try composing music that challenges me, you know? Like, obviously, I've done a bit of studying things like Giant Steps, and that shit challenges me. <laughs> of course. But it's like um, just seeing how that's put together and then getting inspired by how far that can go and thinking, all right, let's compose something that's, like, going to really challenge me. Um, hopefully, the people listening can take something away from that as well. Mm, absolutely. But, um, yeah, do you have anything to add to that? I think I do in terms of like it's this is the bit that usually either kills my my process or invigorates it and it's it's the question that we've kind of been going over here is like what is the point to what you're you're going to create here what is the point mm-hmm. and like the the point can be anything you like it can be anything you like it you know it can be anything that you're experiencing or it can be um I don't know maybe maybe there doesn't need to be a point to it but Maybe that's the point. <laughs> yeah, it is. But I, I do also think it's 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 interesting trying to study other people's modus operandi, mm-hmm. if you like. So I constantly ask uh, composers of all kinds of stuff. You know, um, I, I've recently been asking people who compose kind of a lot of uh, modern classical music, a couple guys who compose uh, jazz as well. There's there's some great, great stuff going on right now um, yep. in kind of like the UK jazz scene as well which is is really interesting that's 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 kind of taking the music in a different way and 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 the thing that i like to ask them is um not necessarily coming from that kind of fanboy oh how did you do that how did you play that lick what what What, what strings do you use yeah well (laughs) exactly yeah what picks do you use man you sound so good it's (laughs) it's um it's the question of like what is your process Mm -hmm. you know what was the point to the work 
What was yep. the point to the album? What was the point to the song? Because I feel I got it. And that's cool. I, like, I got it in a way that it fulfilled me emotionally. It, it challenged my ears. It caught me off guard. It did all the kind of checklist things, I think. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Um, I enjoyed that more than I really, I suppose, even for the time being. I, I, I enjoyed it more than I realized. But what was it that made you compose that piece of music? So for me, when I kind of come to sitting down on a Friday night or whenever I have any free time or whether I'm traveling, and I think, Do you know what? I've just I've just heard a melody in my head. I've just heard a, an idea. Or I've just seen. Here's a big one for me at the moment: is is seeing pictures and trying to trying to relay an idea through um, music of a visual image or of a place or that sort of thing. Um, is trying to say like, what is the point to what I'm doing? Why am I trying to um, why am I trying to kind of build this complex structure that's going to make up, um, hopefully in other people's ears as it is in mine, a visual image of, I don't know, maybe it's fields, maybe it's um, Sweden, maybe it, who knows what it is. But that's a kind of very, I suppose, um, impressionist kind of way of seeing mm-hmm, things, mm-hmm. impressionist and post-impressionist way of um, how do you kind of uh, come to a point in which maybe you create something visually, you create something that's supposed to create a sound or or, or colors or that sort of thing. So. I think it it comes down to the fact that we can ask all these questions and think about it very a- academically and say, you know, there's a million different points. I want to solve climate change with this piece of music. Uh, <laughs> these these bar chords and power chords are going to save the polar bears. It, it doesn't matter. It, it really doesn't matter. The problem is, or here's the solution at least. The problem is you can have too many um, too many things that you want to achieve through your music. To the point that you feel like, okay, well, I'm, I'm just building up a big sense of objectives that I have to hit. In actual fact, what you should really do is just compose and see where it goes. Don't think about the theory. Don't think about, you know, if other people take this, how will they yep. play it? You know, is the theory right? Blah, blah, blah. Just play mm. something. And if you want to, analyze it later or, or don't analyze it at all. But don't go in there being completely overridden by an objective that you've set that's unrealistic or that's unattainable or perhaps you feel doesn't. Um, serve other people's ears because that is ultimately the thing that will stop you in your tracks it's like actually do just do yeah so for me and like and it sounds like i'm kind of reeling this off like i've been teaching this or that you know i've mastered this in actual fact i'm telling myself this is do stop thinking about things academically just do because you don't think about how you react to something and if you do, you well, you're probably gonna you're gonna um, nullify the the emotion or the, the the reaction that you have. But do and feel, yeah, just do and feel, and, that's and, great. and something. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Then I, I think <laughs> I'm gonna get that put here, like tattooed, do and feel, but not for real, man. Like I think um, I'm getting ju- just so. Sorry, in comics, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> new new time Robin, man, of course. <laughs> no, but um, I frequently like i don't just going on that little thing about like just do um and this sounds so like sort of maybe cliche but like i think nike's slogan is the best slogan ever just do it it's like completely ripped it off no but for real it's like it's 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 just like i don't know it inspires me like hearing you say that it's like it's good to hear you say that i want i want you to go and do it like i'm sure yeah. Well, here's another thing as well. Like, sorry to jump in, but sorry. here's another thing. It's like, think about it from a philosophical way um, of just doing. There, there's a great phrase um, 
that I've been hearing and seeing posted around a lot, which which I think is good, and that's being posted around a lot, is is simply um, uh, action is the is sorry, what is it? Thought is the enemy of action. Mm. So thought is the enemy of action, or the action is the um, is the enemy of thought, I suppose, or whatever way you want to kind of interpret it. Is that once you start doing something, it's it's quite hard for you to override in your brain um, overthinking about things or, or trying to like um, build super structures in your mind about how things are supposed to operate, and that that eventually will either sink your idea completely or you'll talk yourself out of doing it. And the actual fact, like your action, is the only thing that really speaks for itself. Because mm-hmm. I can be thinking up a lot of great music. I can be thinking about playing all the time. Totally, but man. if I don't do it, nobody else sees it. So yeah. it is those, it, those that, you know, ridiculous cliche of action speak louder than words is, is also true for how you should really envisage, um, I suppose, art as well. It's like, just, just put it out there. Just do it. Just put the shoes on. Go out and do it. Or, you know, pick up the pencil and just do it. Or just try something that is that you're completely inexperienced in just yeah. do it i think it's like it's absolutely the best way to learn as well mm-hmm. like just do it. it doesn't matter if you're not quite sure how to compose a song like find something that you like and just like try and follow that curio- mm-hmm. like curiously and again like the the analy- analytical side can come later maybe mm-hmm. it's like you're stuck and you need to work out how to get somewhere else or maybe it's like the song's finished and you need to try and let the band know how to play it sure. like, well this chord is this you know like why is it that and um that's something that i i think the part of the reason why i started writing tunes was because of that mm-hmm. it was like i got to a point when you know you'd done so many tunes like learning other people's stuff and i was like why don't i just try and write something myself and it was mm-hmm. just like just do it just follow your ears mm. follow your heart <laughs> no but really it's like just just be curious and that's what i tell all my students it's like be curious mm-hmm. it's the best thing for you as a creative yep and yeah like curiosity as well as the approach of like just do it you can get so much achieved and i think a lot of people get caught up on the the theoretical side of it and not like hmm, thinking they can't do stuff because they don't know how to justify it when really it's like there's stuff I'm sure you've well maybe not you because you're like Mr. Analytical but like <laughs> certainly other musicians have done that really they were just like uh, I've done it because it sounds good mm-hmm. and it's like why does it sound good it's like I don't have to justify that mm-hmm. because it's like this chord of this key or whatever and yeah I think like just just do it just start and it's I think funny you're looking at the equilibrium yeah you're looking at the equilibrium of like um what thought pattern or what like how should i start something and the equilibrium is either think about it too much or do so much that you're not even thinking about it and actually the equilibrium (laughs) is okay if you just do it maybe later you can transcribe what you did or you can think about it in a you know analytical way but it's like find the equilibrium between um you know like doing making something that's kind of meaningful to you but you're not kind of destroyed by trying to create something that's you know must have a meaning so yep. it's quite weird. It's like have a meaning, but also don't have a meaning. So it sounds like counterintuitive there, but all yeah. of that can be solved by just do it and just see if you see if there's a purpose in it at the end of the yep. day, if there and is. The, yeah. And there's something to be said about like following ideas to an end. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think, I don't know how you feel about this, but I certainly need to practice that more. It's like have a, even if it's just like a really short four bar progression or melody or even a one bar 
thing or a chord voice and whatever it is but like follow it to its end mm-hmm. and see where it goes because it's the process of like creating something and that needs practiced as much as playing a solo does or like mm-hmm. playing a, a standard or even learning to play your first song it's a process yep. and the more times you repeat that process the easier it gets so i guess a question i have for you as a teacher um, sure. and i'd like to maybe shine some light on it as well as um you have a student, let's say, right, and he's maybe talking about the things we're chatting about, and he's mm-hmm. asking for advice like, um, how can I get into composition? Mm. From maybe the perspective of like, maybe not knowing a ton of music theory, or maybe they do, but like, what advice generally would you give to someone who wants to create but is unsure how to start? Because like I, mm. we can we can say just start, man, just do it, but it's like mm-hmm. sometimes. You need to give people direction, you know? Well, yeah, because we're saying, you know, just start because we come with that fundamental yep. or like building blocks knowledge of where to go. And, you know, if if you or I said, well, if I said to you, say I took a lesson with you and said, look, man, I've got all this theory under my belt and I want to compu- compose tunes, but I don't know where to start. And you say, just start with a melody. That's fine because all that building block stuff is there. You know, I know how to play a melody or sing a melody or transcribe the melody for myself. But let's, OK, so let's let's take your analogy then. We'll. we'll the hypothetical situation is a student comes and says, like, I want to get into composition. For me personally, I want to understand what they think composition is. Oh. So, you know, and it might be a simple answer as I want to write my own songs. Great. OK, that's 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 enough of a definition for me to, to you know, start some kind of um, pedagogy of, you know, how, how do we how do we how do we start this? Yeah. Or maybe it's maybe it's something deeper. Maybe it's, you know, I want to create something that other people can kind of play on and there, there's freedom. So basically what I want to do is create a musical um, environment or playground um, in which I, I suppose like much like uh, John Zorn's music, if you're familiar with him, his music is all about kind of like a, it's it's game based. So it's, oh, it's very strange sure. or like a knee body. What's, what's, what's that, that name again? John John Zorn. Zorn. John Zorn is a, is a very interesting composer because he. Uh, cool. I, I'm yeah. fairly certain that's right. You might need to fact check me on that. But um, I'll take it. I'll take a note. John Zorn. Yeah. So he 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 does a lot of uh, composing in kind of like game based music. So big uh big style. I suppose big style bands. That's not the proper <laughs> term. Um, it's fine. But you, you know what I mean. Like I suppose a group with many many personnel. It's not necessarily an orchestra, but it's also not really a big band. Yeah. Um. But maybe it's it's someone like that, or it's um, I can't remember the other person I just mentioned there. Um, I suppose yeah, Kneebody is another one. Ben Wendell's group have yeah. uh, a super interesting basis for communicating, mm-hmm. and so their idea of composition is about communication. So it's not a game necessarily, but they're playing to the um, the common uh, I suppose constraints of what's considered composition. So they're they're playing to the fact that the entire thing is you know we're producing a song, but when we play in the song, we're we're so we're so focused on what's happening with the bass player or the drummer or that sort of person, um, that sort of player in the group, that they have their own vocabulary that starts to take the piece in a different way. That's saying, look, repeat this, uh, let's play yeah, this. Moment, the, there are many different ways of approaching Exactly, it. exactly. So going back to what you're saying is like, if someone yeah. said to me, I want to I wanna get into composing, I want to start composition, I'd say, okay, what, what do we know about composition so far? What's your purpose for composition? What have you been listening to that makes you want to get into it? Mm-hmm. So when a student answers those kind of questions, I can start to go, okay, so you want to create a piece of music that's for an expansive um, uh, orchestra. Maybe it's a soundtrack. Maybe it's you know f- you know film music or that sort of thing. Or maybe you want to create... Jason uh, Mraz. Jason Mraz, yep, if you Simple. want to use that. 
exactly yeah. you know you want to you want to have other people sing to it or you want to uh, use the same kind of form and structure as as, as a lot of the jazz standards and, and allow people to kind of mm. solo and, and and have the interpretation of uh, of what you want to do with it so that would be me what what, what would you say for that because I'm, I'm sure you've had a student that's that's come and asked you that yeah i mean i my general approach to teaching music is i mean i Whatever the person wants to learn, I try and facilitate that. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's the job of a teacher. And it'd be great to talk about kind of teaching generally after sure. this because we've got some interesting things to talk about. But, um, yeah, like, it depends on the age of the person and their experience, of course. Because if it's, like, a 23-year-old person who, like, has a bunch of theory under the belt compared to a kid who's, like, playing, like, they're just beginning, but they, like, making yeah. music. So it's, like, the... It's going to be a different approach, but I think the most important thing, kind of agreeing with what you said, is like understanding what they like the sound of and like what what is it you'd like to compose that sounds like, right? Kind of kind of like that. So for example, if a student is very interested in uh, Guns and Roses, right, um, which none of my students are. I That's think. sad. At least they don't tell me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, say that say they're interested in Guns N' Roses and they know a little bit of music theory. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's, and this is just my approach, it's combining music theory with something that they like, making them understand what it is they like in theoretical terms so they can transfer that knowledge into their own art, right? Mm-hmm. So understanding maybe their favorite song and just maybe the functions of the chords or if there's a specific voice in, like if they like that, um, oh God, what's it called? I forgot the song. That's so bad. It's the one that goes <laughs> one, one, five, nine, like C, C minor, G sharp. Oh, the police song right so say it's like they really like that it's like looking at what an add nine chord is mm-hmm. and like just simply again going back to what i said trying to get them to be curious and it's like all right here's a voicing maybe that's what like put on your heartstrings right or made you feel like yeah i want to write something that like has that vibe mm-hmm. so i would take that idea and try and show them it in as many different contexts as possible. And I would literally just set them an assignment and be like, all right, so for the next lesson, I'd like you to take this information and just try and create something with it, right? Don't overthink it. Just like see where it goes. Be curious, all right? Mm-hmm. And that will either fail or it will pass. I mean, I guess if they – not that I assign my students like that, but what I mean is like they'll either not do the homework or they will, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. And if, if they do it, then that's great. They created something. And I think what sometimes students need is just, ah, I've done that. That, that was me. I, I made that thing happen. And fair enough, it was inspired by message in a bottle. Mm-hmm. But it's undeniable that everything's inspired by something. You know, mm-hmm. even if it was like a piece of your music that's inspired by Picasso, it's like there's still lines to draw, you know. Mm-hmm. Nothing comes from – something doesn't just come from nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the process I would go for. But – I do also do I do songwriting workshops actually with like young cool. kids, um, and that process is way different because mm. that one's more like lyric based, and it'll be like thinking about like all right, what could the song be about? And a funny example is like all right, really disruptive kid, super loud, says he wants to write a song about Toys R Us, and I'm like all right, cool, let's do it. So we just talk about something like all right, what what makes a song right? And for me, I'm always saying to them because. I'm talking about like young kids who like pop music. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, it needs a good story. All right, what does a story have? And they've all written stories before. Mm-hmm. Ah, it's a beginning, a middle, and an end. 
right? So we look at structure and we think about how we could tell a story, essentially. So it's like two completely different sides of it. Um, But yeah, I guess to sum up, it's taking their kind of natural, something that draws them naturally to music. Like, so wait, whether it's like uh, being funny and writing a song about Toys R Us or like trying to convert that into music, or if it's the kid who's like super into Guns N' Roses or the police. And it's like trying to take their energy and like give them as much as they can with mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, but then some people just, I don't know, maybe they're a bit older and they like, they really know their way around the instrument, but it's just confidence. Yeah. You know? So it's like, yeah. it's approach is different for everybody. But I think very generally, that's my answer. I, I, I like that answer a lot. I think, I think what, what you said resonates with me in terms of like, you know, if, if you take a student from kind of A to B, you want to obviously talk about where A is and where B is and, and where, where you kind of want to move from there. And there's a lot of things that, that are going to be um, useful in, in, in determining what their journey is going to be. So their age, their experience, you know, their knowledge, um, the prerequisite knowledge um, is a big thing as well. I do think that there is a common line that both you and I will know. Um, and I suppose it's it's strange because sometimes you'll meet a teacher that just doesn't doesn't kind of do it or that you know you have a great lesson with but you kind of you leave you leave the lesson with a bit of a sour taste Mm -hmm. and it's like if we were both teaching you know students composition that's what we did the thing that you want to instill is that there aren't any wrong answers in the lesson in that hour there are no there are no wrong answers and the nice thing is when you leave that you know that teaching environment and you go out to do it for yourself is, is knowing that actually there are still no wrong answers there are no wrong like that's 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 hugely important for trying to instill curiosity in students is telling them okay you're starting your journey that doesn't mean that everything you do will be wrong but it's the same as saying you know someone who's super advanced on the journey who's working with um you know full-scale orchestras or symphonies you know and who's obviously very experienced in it or does it for work is also saying look i know you've got you know a hefty pool of experience here but still nothing that you're doing is wrong yeah. It's all an experiment to find out where you want to go with it. And that, I think if you start that off early, it encourages curiosity. It is a is a recipe for encouraging curiosity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. No, that, that's it's all kind of hitting the nail on the head. One thing yeah. we're obviously like we keep pointing at is like teaching. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is my digression. So or I guess my link into the next topic. Hey, sorry for interrupting the podcast. I'll just be one minute. If you're receiving value from this podcast, consider supporting me by getting some of the Sitting In merch. From teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash sitting dash in dash podcast. That's T-E-E-S-P-R-I-N-G dot com forward slash stores forward slash sitting dash in dash podcast. And so one thing that we've spoken about a little bit, especially because we were hanging out like two weeks ago, was it? Yeah, it was about that time. Yeah, so uh, we, we got chatting about uh, something that I'd been thinking about. And I don't want to go into like social media too much unless it becomes apparent. But um, one thing that I do see on social media a lot, and I guess maybe just generally in the scene, is that there's, here comes the air quotes, teachers, right? Mm-hmm. And let's face it, the reality of teaching is that if you know something, yes, you can pass it on. Mm-hmm. All right? That's... You know, I could teach a kid how to uh, eat with a knife and fork. I taught them, right? But does that qualify me to be a teacher? Not really. I wouldn't get a job in a nursery because of that, right? And what I see a lot 
generally is people who can play guitar, right? And so they become a teacher because it's uh, some people think it's easy money, right? Mm -hmm. And as you and I, both teachers, like, I guess for probably the majority of our work, right? Yep. I find that that's quite, in a way, it's quite offensive, right? (sighs) Yeah. And I'm not trying to be like too precious of like what it means to be a teacher. (laughs) But yeah, I'm just wondering if, like, let's get a discussion going because let's face it, we see people on Instagram who have a lot of followers and they start advertising that they're doing lessons and you listen to them play and you're like, all right, cool. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. what what am I going to pay for to learn from you? I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. but just get talking. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, yeah. So what you're really talking about is like, okay so if you are if you're someone who wants to go into the teaching kind of basis and 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 you've got a hefty following maybe that's you know obviously that's how you'd set it up um what you're kind of looking for is competence Mm. you're looking for you know how much competence does the player have and you're only going to see what they post and i suppose that's you know that's your that's your advertisement yep you're only going to see what they post so for someone who's starting out they might hear someone who you know is I suppose is, is a beginner of their own and think, well, they're a bit further ahead than me. Um, they've got a good following. They must have a following for a reason. You know, that ABC yep. logic of all these things line up. They've got a good quality, you know, they're getting shared, blah, blah, blah. I should take them on. But there has to come a point that, okay, so I'm thinking about myself personally is I believe that you have to be, as a teacher, you have to be humble about knowledge that you do know and knowledge that, let's be honest, you just Googled it as they asked it. Absolutely. And there comes a point that I think, and I've had this as well, is, is, is students that, that come to you and they they sound brilliant. They sound brilliant. And I say, look, we've had a good session today. We've done all these things. But being honest, you're of a skill level that you probably want to study with someone who can take you in that direction a bit further. And it's yep. knowing where that line is. And that is not a money grabbing scheme. That is just being humble or, or, or showing humility and saying, look, for you to really progress as a musician, move on. Mm-hmm. Get someone who's who's on the scene who's experienced. I mean, I've experienced it myself. Is I, I took a lesson with um with a guy. Uh, I won't mention his name, but about a month ago, who was a fantastic player. I'd I'd heard him down um, a jam somewhere. Amazing player, amazing. Um, and I sat and we we played together, and it, it was funny the entire time. He was almost a bit too humble. He was saying, "Look, man, I don't know if there's much I can teach you here." <laughs> and I said, "Look, it's, I I don't need to have a PDF. I don't need it. You know, I don't need a big rundown of what you're doing. It's just it's the it's the interaction that we have, the playing together, that sort of thing. And he said, look, if you're looking to do this stuff further and really get into the stuff that even I'm practicing, I'll link you up with this teacher or push you onto this person. I thought, do you know what? That is a huge, that's a huge point in terms of like, if you take that attitude into teaching other people, I'm sure you'll, 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 you'll succeed yeah. because you have a humility about you, which is, okay, a player has come to me because they've heard they've heard me on the scene or they've, they've heard me uh, on a record or that sort of thing. And, you know, they're really curious, but what they're maybe not understanding is that the stuff that I'm playing is stuff that I'm still practicing. So maybe I'm kind of like one page ahead of them mm-hmm. and, and knowing that being able to see the overview and saying, actually, I'm only one page ahead of you. You should take a lesson with a guy who's an, an entire book ahead of you or an entire library yeah. ahead of us. And that for me is, is big. So when, when it comes to me teaching um, other students, I like to know exactly where I lie and where they lie. Because yep. I need to be able to help them with all that I can, with all the materials and with all the skill that I can. Because, you know, if a, if a guy comes to me and he's blown over changes better than I can and he wants to say, oh, you know, I want to develop ideas and blah, blah, blah. I say, OK, look, 
your playing is amazing, but you need to go to someone who is, who's not just going to be a bit better than you, who is going to roast you because mm-hmm. those are the guys you get real development from. So you're talking about people who, you know, have big followings and, 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 um, just, I suppose are, are offering lessons here and there. And that's, that's cool. I suppose social media is, is part of that glo- global market and teaching is your commodity or your service. And I suppose some people will take up a lesson with someone who does sound that page ahead better. But, um, it's a funny question. Like, it's like, is that down to the teacher saying, okay, I'll be honest, look, you're, you're actually not that much, um, air quotes worse is not really the word I'm kind of going for. It's the only one that springs to mind, but <laughs> you could actually benefit somewhere else. Or is that a money grabbing scheme? And I, that seemed to be a really, really big thing, uh, in the, I suppose the turn of the century really with, um, with the internet kind of going on with all these yeah. money grabbing schemes about um, you know, you can double your money doing this or you can blah, 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 blah. And it was all people that were tooting their expertise in certain fields. In actual fact, they were not really, they were not really what they advertised. Yeah. So it's knowing that what you're, do, what you're kind of buying into is, is doing what it says on the tin. And that kind of takes a bit of, I suppose, observation and deduction by the student as well, which, um, which is also an interesting point. But yeah, I don't know. What, what do you think about that? Do you think that there is a pernicious element to, um, musicians offering lessons who that when when you're being completely brutal and honest that actually they don't have much to offer people yet yeah I mean I, I think definitely I see it a lot online right um, obviously can't name names but <laughs> straight up I see people who aren't I hate saying like good and bad because it doesn't really exist in music uh-huh. but there are people who are competent and there are people who can like sort of half do it sort mm-hmm. of thing yeah. and i see a lot of people who are maybe like half half okay players advertising lessons and i just think it's like it's a shame right because two things they're not i guess in a way they're not being honest with themselves but at the same time you know one could argue they can pass something on so therefore mm-hmm. they, they yeah. can be a teacher right but i guess one the reason i got to this like initially was me advertising myself as a teacher like not even online just like generally on the internet and sorry i mean not on social media but generally on the internet and seeing that my competition is like people who have full-time jobs teaching for 15 pounds an hour right mm-hmm. and well someone who has a kid who wants to get into playing guitar, right? They're going to choose the £15 an hour one if they don't have a musical background or value or any experience in like mm-hmm. having someone teach their kid. And I think it's quite damaging to the industry for two reasons. First of all, that kid's probably not going to, let's be honest, like get a great teacher, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe there are people who are like, uh, they take up a few students and they yeah. work as a lawyer and they are actually decent teachers and that's fine. But I'm talking about the other side of it. Um, and so I think it's a shame for maybe people like you and I or other people who have like maybe just finished a degree and like they're getting into teaching, but they can't even get students because there's so many like people just teaching because it's easy money. And it's mm-hmm. like, it's not if you do it seriously. Yeah. It's like, it's it's a job. And uh, I guess I just got a bit kind of disappointed and angry mm-hmm. with that at, at a point. Um, yeah. And then I saw it on the online world as well. Like people with like 100,000 followers well, that means they're good, doesn't it? <laughs> Obviously not. Mm-hmm. But younger people see that and they think that's like, oh, I'm taking lessons with someone who's famous. Mm-hmm. And maybe just a word of warning to anybody who who's listening and like might want to 
uh, take lessons or give their kid lessons or recommend a teacher to their friend. It's like do a bit of background research and like just sometimes it's hard to judge if someone's even a good musician if you don't know. But don't just choose the cheapest option because yeah. you want your kid to get a good experience teaching. You wouldn't like let me give a really bad analogy all right what if you moved uh to england from france and you couldn't speak english you wouldn't just like pay the guy at the local pub a fiver to teach your kid english like you'd <laughs> want to like really get them taught and like you want to invest in their education yeah. and Absolutely. this is by no means an advert for me to get more students because of this podcast or you as well i mean of course if you want you can hit us up but um <laughs> I just, I don't know, I just wish people would be a bit more honest. And I see a lot of people talking about honesty nowadays within playing real stuff as well. You know, mm -hmm. uh, there's a big massive debate. It's not even a debate. It's basically people ranting about people doing fake guitar videos now. Yeah. And Oh, this whole speed up thing. Yeah, I saw you made a uh, post yeah. about it as well. I've, and it's, it's, a bit, it's a bit weird. Um, but I think generally... Maybe we're coming around to people who will start being more honest, like generally. Um, but I think we're kind of going on a tangent here, but I'm kind of liking where it's going. Um, mm. One thing that's coming out of that is people trying to be honest, but now they're being like, oh, by the way, everybody, just to let you know, this is improvisation <laughs> and there are mistakes. And I think that's fine, but I don't know. It just seems a bit, we're in a funny place. It's like in between a movement happening, I think. Yeah, you're you're right. I mean, we're kind of touching on on it without even saying is like something that I've known from the get go about online teaching because on, online teaching obviously it's not it's not my entire teaching um, income I suppose like I do a lot yeah. of teaching in person as well which which I think is really important to do is getting out to the community of your of your lo your local community even absolutely but um for online teaching one thing that I've known from the get go is that it it needs an element of trust on both sides because there is always that element of like, you could be sitting there with a guy who's like, yeah, I'm going to teach you. And he looks all official and everything's cool. But there's always the reality that that person could say, okay, you know, just pay me 50 quid or, or, or 60, 60 quid or whatever. Uh, and we'll, we'll start the lesson. There's always that thing in the back of your mind that says, what if this person isn't real? And I just pay into their account and then it's gone. And, or, or maybe, I don't know, maybe you, you finally get your lesson. You, you know, you've waited a long time. You're on a waiting list and you get a lesson with a guy who's, who's brilliant and you, you, spend a mountain of money and then you get there and maybe you realize that there's not much he can teach you mm -hmm. so what's happened is like to some degree your trust as a consumer is going to diminish or it's going to decay if the product is not exactly what you want so there's a fine line now between there has to be a level of trust between like um b2c so business to customer obviously like the if it doesn't do what it says on the tin, which I've, I've obviously mentioned before, then nobody is going to want to buy it, meaning that nobody is going to want to um, refer to it or, or share it or, or tell other people about it. So your word of mouth um, advertising. Yeah. But there's another thing as well is like how true to yourself as the business, if you like, air quotes again, um, as the musician offering lessons, how true to yourself actually are you in terms of do you actually want to take people on? something or do you just want to take a snake oil be the snake oil salesman and just take money from them so yeah. on both sides there has to be an element of like of trust and humility because mm -hmm. those are i suppose very very human things and, and you've got to hope that both sides you know aren't um i suppose manipulated or, or that both sides aren't like uh 
what's what I suppose tricked out of what they really think is going on. Yeah. So when I say like from the get go, I've known about that. I've always known that you're you're essentially teaching someone that you may never meet in person. You may never see them face to face. And I know that there's a bit of a fear about that. There's a bit of fear about catfishing, obviously, with all the yeah. online date stuff. And, it, you know, that's that's well documented. But people don't realize that this is a transactional service. It's a service that's based on the goodwill of the fact that you are actually a teacher, for one. And that you're not just some AI who's stealing everyone's <laughs> money or, or, or whatever, or hacking into yeah. people's PayPal accounts or, or whatever. Or any kind of nonsense like that is like there is certain on between B to C. So... If that, if that gets decayed or eroded, I suppose is a better word, um, over time with people who are advertising things that are not what they advertise, there'll come a point that people have a distrust in, in from, from what they see on social media, which is a shame for guys like you and I who are, who are actually, you know, and I know you well enough and you know me well enough that we are actually supplying, hopefully, worth and value to people who want to uh, be involved in it. So that's eventually, you know, if it, if it became a big kind of... Um, epidemic thing or that you know uh, people are getting ripped off by online guitar tutors who were said they were going to teach jazz and they didn't they didn't teach jazz at all they, they taught something else but it would eventually hurt the entire community the entire teaching of community if you're like okay if i can't trust you then i won't trust anyone yeah. and that's the point in which you have to say okay are you just kind of getting involved in the teaching for the money or are you actually wanting to do it to be a proper teacher yeah no, that's a great point, man. I think it comes back to you turning that sensitivity down because of the yeah, banging. There, can you hear that? Yeah. I've got some builders in my house at the moment. It's um, All right. Yeah. Damn. I, I don't think it will last forever, but... <laughs> it's fine, man. So um, one thing I was going to say it comes back to, again, is honesty. And we spoke about that in composition as well. And just generally portraying yourself online. It's like, just be honest with where you're at. It's going to be so much more helpful for maybe people giving you advice to your friends or like just being humble and it's like I think honesty is a big part of my approach to this album that I'm working on and I remember speaking to my friend Vincent about this and we had this massive chat and um ended up just coming back to like man just be honest like don't don't shoot for anything just be yourself be honest and that's the best you can do and that requires a little bit of humility sometimes but if you can get through that you will I think you'll just generally be happier, I would say. Yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah, let's just... There's one other thing I want to ask you before sure. we kind of round this up. And go go with it as much as you want or keep it short and sweet. It's up sure. to you. But since we've we've spoke about teaching quite a lot here, it's been a great chat, would... What... <laughs> I kind of want to give two questions, but it's the same question, just phrased in two different sides. Sure, okay. All right, so the first one is, what advice... And this is super general, I know, but mm-hmm. just just go with it. Um, what advice would you give to anybody wanting to learn music? And second, what advice? This is a much kind of bigger question. What advice would you give to anybody wanting to get into jazz? Because you have Ooh. come totally from that background mm-hmm. in a much different way from I. Um, so maybe maybe if you want to go for like the generalist first. Sure, sure. Oh, okay, so. Um... Sorry, I have, I have the brain of a squirrel. So you, the first question uh, right, is obviously... First question is, what advice would you give to just anybody wanting to get into learning music? Okay, doesn't matter yeah. what instrument it is, sure. just like generally. Well, in a way, like, both have the same answers because right. 
music is essentially it's i'm going to use it and everyone uses it but it is a language and it has to be taught like a language and it has to be understood and felt and attached to as a language so like listen to things find out what you like by listening to things and eventually what will happen is those things will become i suppose ingrained in your your subconscious um and you'll seek those things out you you know you'll, you'll sit and want to learn a piece of music that you never thought was was I, I suppose achievable um to some degree uh it's all about listening and just finding out where your influences are and i think it's quick as possible getting on track with someone that can point you in a direction so um i've got a guy who he's just picked up guitar after about i think he's picked up guitar after something like uh, 10 years not playing he's kind of been on and off with guitar and it's um it's been interesting to to like really bring him back into into the music world and really stick with it and what, I, what i've seen is like he's made he's made huge huge leaps and bounds in his ability and it's, it's really it's really nice to see because it tells me that you know if, if you're a guy who's um I don't know what's what's the word middle age is not right but he's also he's not young but he's not old it's <laughs> fine that's fine but, but you know what i mean it's like people who immediately come with a concern that am i too old to do this am i you know i want to start again and i don't know blah blah, blah. and actual actual fact like you can learn anytime you like you can learn Absolutely. anytime but you just have to be curious and you have to listen so the thing that i've seen that's been really uh, encouraging is like his development has come from the fact that he wants to be listening all the time he's always picking things out and he'll suggest you know why don't you try uh why should we, should we listen to this? Like, how does this happen? What goes on here? What's this guy's technique doing? Um, most recently, it's been a lot of kind of flamenco music, that sort of thing. Cool. Um, and he was saying, you know, like, how do I get... And I said, well, it's great that you're even listening to it in the first place and you're discovering it. So learning music, um, I'd say get a teacher that can put you on track because you can learn a lot by yourself, sure, but you will eventually hit a point that you will feel advanced, but there will be key areas of your knowledge that you will have holes in. And I'm saying this from experience, not just Same as here. a student, but as a teacher. It's like guys who sound amazing over tunes, that sound brilliant, that can play, you know, uh, uh, cello suites and all sorts of things, um, Scarlatti, all kinds of stuff. But when it comes to like knowing the theory or, or, or being able to kind of read it from the notation, understand what's going on with it, they're amiss or yep. that kind of knowledge goes amiss um, for them. And it's a shame because it's like if someone pointed you in that direction, you would probably be even further ahead. So for anyone that kind of really wants to get into music or that, you know, next year, the, their New Year's resolution is to really take it seriously, is seek out a tutor that inspires you, that is positive as well, and that can kind of push you in that direction. So um, the second part of your question was, you know, how do you how do you get into jazz? I think there's a lot of different ways into it. And I think as well, a, a teacher is a good thing to get into because a teacher will obviously guide you between all the things that you need to know, the fundamentals, the building blocks, and the things that you have to discover for yourself. But ultimately, getting into jazz is about listening. And it's funny. I think there's a lot of guys who uh, who say, you know, uh, I want to sound jazzy or I want to sound <laughs> like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like who have like a, a quite a, a varied notion of um, what what it is they want or an objective that's like, I heard this thing on an album recently and i don't understand it because they sound like the wrong notes but i feel like it's the right notes i was like okay if that's if that's if that's what you're talking about we can analyze that or we we can properly take you down the route of like doing it for yourself and being able to understand it and go down that route which is which is great but mm -hmm. i'd say the biggest thing is listening the biggest thing for learning jazz though and it is fundamental and people miss it out of two things they miss it out of laziness and they and i'm 
saying that as bluntly as possible. They miss it out of laziness and they miss it out of, I suppose, um, not being knowledgeable about the history of the music is learn the songs, learn the standards. Yeah. Because it's all, you know, it's great if you can play a two, two, five, one, or you can, you can play uh, three different melodic minors over the dominant or, or whatever it is, or inversions of chords, crazy chords. But if you don't know the standards, then you're not truly learning what the jazz tradition is. So yeah, for, for, if you, if you're, if you're really, serious about learning jazz and you're you know you're being true to yourself in 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 where you want to take it and you want to take it seriously don't just kind of say you know i want i want to i want to sound jazz yeah i want to just kind of play the altered skill for things or i'm going to use things it's like okay maybe contemporary standard jazz or traditional uh, um traditional kind of jazz knowledge is is like i don't know something that you're not interested in okay fine it doesn't hurt you to kind of learn one or two things there. It doesn't hurt you to learn a couple of tunes. It doesn't hurt you to read about the history because yep. all of it is linked in a way that it didn't just appear. Hip hop didn't just appear. Funk didn't just appear. Blues didn't just appear. And jazz did certainly did not just appear. And so all the music that's coming out now that we think, you know, listening to um, is a good one is Mike Marino stuff as well. Mike Marino is coming out with some brilliant, brilliant pieces of music um, or even take a Alan Holdsworth stuff, which is so out there, so crazy and, and so like, I guess not conventional, I suppose, is, is the way that some people would kind of describe it. But it's saying, OK, well, if that's where I want to get to, it can't hurt me to kind of go down the traditional route a bit, learn a couple tunes, learn how the melody works over those chords, learn the rhythm or, or, or comping patterns, that sort of thing, and then take it where you want to go. Mm-hmm. So for jazz, it's two things. It's listen and learn standards. And Great. I think for me personally, it's like it's it's down to Peter Bernstein really giving that information out. Um but it's, it's, it seems so obvious, but don't be lazy. Learn those tunes. Yeah, no, that that's great <laughs> advice, man. And I, I would give similar advice, although not in the same sort of position as you with the, the jazz thing. It's like, if I do have a student who wants to get into jazz, which I feel like I'm qualified to teach a bit of, it's like, um, it's the same thing. It's like, all right, well, you need to listen and you need to learn tunes because that's mm-hmm. kind of where it comes from. The only reason you can play rock is because you learn your favorite rock songs. Yeah. So it's like, let's do the same thing with jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, of course. Sweet. All right. So going to round it up here, but sure. there was a massive topic I wanted to get into, but we not quite got there. And it was your uh, your counterpoint for guitar thing. So sure. I think yeah. let, let's just finish off where you can. I, I don't know what's what's coming up next for you. Because you just released a counterpoint uh, etudes kind of course tab pack thing, which is great, and everybody should check that. Out. But like, what's uh, what's coming? What's coming? Well, uh, at the moment, I my my uh, my next kind of I suppose six months really are uh, they're looking quite heavy in terms of a lot of session work, um, a lot of teaching as well, which seems to be the main thing. I've I've taken on a lot of students in the past um, I suppose two months, and so ordering that properly and really drawing up a syllabus is, uh, for, for each student has been um, my main priority. But really for like personal goals that are away from um, away from kind of the business side of music for me, which is, is really my mainstay there. For me personally, I think it's, it's I need to be writing more music. Um, I do hope in the next kind of like two to five years really is to get some recording done. Um, mm-hmm. And I suppose it's, it's, it's meeting more players in the scene as well and, and trying to establish that. But I'm kind of in the... Uh, I'm kind of in the the place of thinking, right, I need to start some trio work and and, and see where I can kind of go from there. But uh, yeah, I think for the future is like, is writing more, writing Mm -hmm. more, um, putting it to a band, 
um, I suppose just seeing where it goes from there. And I, on the course side of things, uh, I'm kind of hoping to take up the idea of explaining what's kind of going on in those pieces of music that I'd, I'd created. But um, because I've, I've been I've been getting quite a few uh, messages from people recently saying, you know, bought the pack, love love the music, it's really cool. Um, but I don't really understand how you've come to it or how you're improvising it or how you've started on that journey. And I'm realizing that there's, there's, there's information that is not actually out there in a condensed form or in a way that's like, um, that's not necessarily bite-sized because it's very dense stuff, but it's, uh, people want to know about it. People like the sound of it and that's really encouraging. So I think when I get the time is, is, is going down that route of, of trying to really explain it to people, I suppose. Yeah, man. So just to give people a, a little bit sure. of context, Jack, um, sorry if I butcher this, but Jack's been studying, I guess, how you can translate Baroque counterpoint music onto guitar. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. And yeah. he made a, a sound slice course with six, I think, etudes in it that you can mm -hmm. download and learn. And it's got tab and finger position and everything you could need, to be honest. Um, and I think it's just one of the most interesting things i've seen lately in guitar and i'm <laughs> so excited you, i'm so excited to see where you take it especially with mm. improvisation because i've heard the um was it ted green yeah yeah ted green yeah. Is, was I've heard, very prominent yeah i've heard him doing his baroque thing and it, it's amazing so it'll be great to hear you do more and um mm. yeah it's been great chatting man like yeah man really good fun i think Absolutely. uh hopefully people enjoy the the chat we just had and it was definitely like one for the teachers, but also one for the students. Like I <laughs> yeah, think everybody, definitely. everybody will get something from that. So, um, yeah. Any, any final words of wisdom you want to pass on? Um, yeah. Keep curious, keep curious. Um, always push for a direction. Don't, don't be satisfied with standing still. Yeah. Keep curious, keep working, keep being creative. And I suppose like the biggest thing of, of everything of, of this, uh, podcast today, which, you know, aside from air quotes, obviously, it was just do, just do. And that will satisfy so many areas in your life that are even beyond music. So the philosophy of just do should be your biggest part. Stop thinking, just do. And on those final words of wisdom from Jack, we finish episode two of Sitting In. I hope you enjoyed it. Finally, if you want to leave a review, give us feedback, leave a comment, blah, 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 do all that and go and check out our merch store there's some cool things out there and uh yeah i'll see you in episode three adios <laughs>